listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 28 of Cinement. Well, since it's October, Scaramental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother's in here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. Kill her, Mommy! Kill her! We'll tear your soul apart! I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Hassan Godwin, and Lathan Conger III. Our guest today is a New York Times bestselling artist and writer most widely known for his work in the world of comics, where he has received multiple award nominations, as well as the industry's top prize, the Eisner Award. As an artist, although he's probably best known for his IDW comic series, 30 Days of Night, which spawned a major motion picture, he has worked for most all of the comic companies that matter, as well as many creator-owned books he produces. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said, and the ones that don't. <laughs> he often does art for money in a strange and hugely lucky thing some would call a career and follows the giant space squid. Ben Templesmith, welcome to Cinemental. Oh, thank you. I don't, uh, I don't enjoy hearing my, my own. Well, I wrote that bio, so. <laughs> hey, no, I would like be more than happy to put one together for you, but I mean, that's fine. Technically, I am a New York Times bestselling artist, uh, author, whatever. Right. It was my book. I wrote the damn thing. Of course. It was on there for like a week, which is big for a small graphic novel. So, Absolutely. Not a big graphic novel, a small graphic novel. So, Hey, New York yeah. Times bestselling is something great to be able to put in, in front is. of you. And if you've ever been on the list, you put that in your bio because it sounds good. Exactly right. You are a New so. York Times bestselling author. Boom. Done. Is that a newspaper or? Uh, <laughs> well, some call it a newspaper. Some call it other things. Yeah. Yeah. Some call it a birdcage liner. Some, some use it for other things. Yes. Yeah. It's got a great art it's, section. It's, on the yeah, no, New York Times is okay. No, I, I, New York that's Times a, That's a I win. Like New York Times bestseller is a win. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, we'll we'll move because Ben has picked a couple of films that I think that we're going to have some fun talking about tonight. So you I'm going to move. to pick them, man. But I know. know, I know. But I'm just saying, you picked a couple of a, a couple of good ones, oh. and it kind of worked. And it kind of worked out good because actually your show is going to premiere on on something I'm going to call because the all the episodes are going to for the next after yours are going to premiere in October. I'm rebranding oh, the show. I'm rebranding the show. Scaramental instead of cinemental. So I've already made up graphics and everything. Anyway, how about some news? There's, a, there's a percentage of, uh, of horror <laughs> snobbery amongst the staff here there, at the there may, Cinemental. There, there, there may be a, a slight <laughs> sliver of horror snobbery. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'm. As and I I'm, discovered the hard way when I. And, I'm, I... and I'm padding the guests for October <laughs> in exactly that manner. So how about some news that gives us fits? No! 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 
so I was going to bring up the WandaVision trailer, but since you uh, you guys thoroughly dissected it uh, a little while ago, I'm not really going to bother. <laughs> um, suffice to say that uh, I think it looks awesome. Uh, did I any think of it you looks dumb? Really? There yeah, I really do. Why is that? I just I, I don't. I guess I missed your talk beforehand on it. I just it seems. Yeah, I think like he's talking about uh, the other podcast. Oh, I was, I was talking about the other <laughs> podcast. It yeah. just seems like we're stretching things a little thin, aren't we? Uh, well, I, I think it's there because it's going to set up Wanda as a very important character in the MCU. That's why it's being done. Okay, but what what is, I mean, what's the show about? Uh, there are, it, it, I don't think anyone really yeah. knows. I think they're oh, kind of okay. keeping that on the, on the down low a little bit. But It initially looks like she's in her own delusion. Right. Okay. So he's so, on all these different like sitcom sets and So one of the things about okay so Latham is not a a comic book guy at per se. So uh, so there's a so the right but I'm, <laughs> I'm just letting I'm just letting Ben know as the, you know, so okay. you know come across. I mean most people are at least a little bit <laughs> versed in the world of comics, but I mean not everybody and that's fine. I'm just going to say that that Wanda the Scarlet Witch is and and I was I was I was bothered a little in the MCU films because they hideously underused her because of her level of power. She is, she, she technically probably on her own could have taken out Thanos without the infinity gauntlet. She is, she is a Titan level power. Uh, At one point in the comics, she literally removed 90% of all the mutants in the world. She basically has the power to restructure reality. So, and so anyway, daughter, I think daughter of Magneto, what do you expect? Yeah. So, well, yeah. Uh, you call that interesting? I call it bad writing. <laughs> I call it 40 years of bad that's writing. Diffi- that's difficult writing. If, if, oh yeah, my magic, I can just do that. But then the rest of the world has to play by something. We need a threat to that. And that's, that's a right. tough one. Right. So she's the power of a god basically. well uh, yeah Riddler. but i think she's that's i think that's the problem because well, in the past she has become the threat that's the problem so mm-hmm. i think she may actually figure into and not of her own volition necessarily but just because i think she's deeply in mourning at the loss of vision and i think she may be creating these worlds based on old television shows to sort of help heal her mourning or work through her mourning because they've introduced another character in the trailer who most people think is a very powerful witch in the MCU called Agatha Harkness, who serves to mentor her character throughout the years and, and early on in her career. So they're sticking, at least in the skeleton sense of the word, to a lot of the stuff that's already been established in the Marvel world. So that's good. I like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I mean, listen, from the trailer, you still don't really know. And anyone outside of comics or only knows the films clearly they're not going to know who the Scarlet Witch is and what her level of involvement in the world is. So that's me. Right. So I'm just, so I get it. I mean, that's fine. And you're, you're free to unlike it. I mean, it's fine. I don't know. I just, yeah, it does. It does seem a weird choice for a TV show without knowing any of that. It's like, yes, cause she's I not agree. been a character that's had any focus, but on a, and the vision is just a, like a robot guy who then died. <laughs> yeah, stone. Right. And he was the voice of the Iron Man suit. I was like, okay, I guess he's a big character now too. And he gets his own show. <laughs> yeah. When they have but a lot of other the, characters. Which weird is though, they, they got the stone back. So just put it back in his head. Who did, yeah. who did, who did uh, Captain America give the stone back to? It's a good question. Which version of him? The one that went well, back in time? The one that went back in time. 
Oh boy. What? What uh, happened? What you know what? The third one that doesn't make sense. What are you talking about? I'm just going to be quiet right now. Because the Avengers are actually shitty people. They didn't really like Vision, so they just hushed it up. <laughs> no, we're not. No, we can That is the one that should be going forward with. The Avengers oh. are shitty people. They're all the boys. It's all, <laughs> yeah, it's it's, all the. They never show all the talk behind their backs. That's what they <laughs> Uh, the other trailer that uh, was dropped this morning was a new longer trailer for The Haunting of Bly Manor, the sequel oh, to The boy. Haunting of Hill House. Uh, Atham, I don't know if you happen to watch it. Uh, I, I have not watched the trailer yet. Okay. But right. can I quickly say it takes a lot to make me jump after all the movies I've seen or scare me. And there is a scare in episode eight of The Haunting of Hill House that is absolutely awesome. One of the best ever, I think. Fantastic, and, fantastic. And that, so this, this, uh, this, I'm ready for. This should be a lot of fun. Did you, uh, did you watch the Haunting Hill House, Ben? The series on Netflix? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an, okay. Yes, I know what it is. Yes, I did. That was very good. Yes, okay. and I have not seen the trailer though. So okay, all right. I just, uh, I just get the name. The new one's out there, so uh, it's oh, you know it's same director, Mike Flanagan, did the whole thing himself. Uh, it's a totally different story, or is it continuing? Well, it's got it's got Henry Thomas in it. Oh, but it's great. but it's a totally different place and a totally different story and a, but I don't know how he how he's connecting the stories. A little Anyone American else from, from Hill House? Any other actors? Yes. Uh, nobody else I saw. Nobody oh. else. Nobody else in the trailer I I'd saw. I'd be fine with that whole cast all over again. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was, it was American really Horror Story. That yeah, was fantastic. Ryan Johnson, who is currently scripting oh. his sequel to oh. Knives. Currently, oh, thank you, thank you so much for saying that. So I <laughs> now I know I'm among good people. Hello down there, you. So you current, you've seen Midnight Latham, but you've never seen Midnight Godwin. That's, that's right. Just, talk that's about right. Ryan Johnson, you'll get Midnight. Did Garvin. you see Last Jedi? That was awesome. And <laughs> <laughs> there goes the sun. Hey, <laughs> done. <laughs> Ways uh, to make the song blackout. That's right. Uh, Ryan Johnson is uh, currently scripting his uh, follow-up to Knives Out, which I hear is great, and I still have not seen. You really need you take the time. I respect that he he is capable of making good films. Like I I don't I don't have a problem with the man in general. I just yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I understand. And, it's, and I everything understand. that everything I could say has already been said ad nauseum. So I mean, you know, Knives <laughs> Out was good. Um, I saw it the other day. So yeah, so I, I believe it. So. so he's uh, he wants to, you know, people were saying, is it going to be a sequel? Is it going to be this? And basically, he said it's not really going to be a sequel because he, I, I think, and I think this is fantastic. He he really wants to take that Daniel Craig character down the path of like Agatha Christie's Hercule Poirot and do a series of just mysteries that are sort of interlinked by only the detective guy and just they'll have these you'll have these mega cast setups you know and he'll just go from place to place and I think that's great I think that'll I think that'll be a lot of fun I am also looking forward to uh Branna's new uh Death on the Nile because uh I did not expect to like the first one the remake of uh Murder on the Orient Express. Murder, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I mean, I knew that. I knew obviously. I knew the film. I knew how it was all going to play out. But I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. He did an amazing job, uh, and it, obviously everybody was great in it. So I, you know, I like those mega cast setups when they're done well. Brenna is in this. He's in this weird 
a place where he const- he's constantly having to prove himself. It's you weird. know, like people people are always underestimating his. Yeah, you know his and and if you look back at the string of movies he's had, there yeah. are a ton of hits. Like he's, right. he's especially really, as a director. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, as as a filmmaker in in and of itself, and it's just weird that you know every choice he makes, people are like, nah, nah, you know, and then you know they they end up doing really well, they end up being great, and then people have to kind of come come around to him again. It's right. kind of strange. When I saw maybe because he's handsome. Well, that's funny because when I saw Tenant. It took me the second time to realize that was him. First time I'm watching, I'm like, God, this is a great actor. Who is this? I had no idea that was him. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Kenneth Branagh. That's right. He's not in a bunch of makeup or anything, is he? No, he's not. I just, I didn't make the connection. I was just like, because he's very fierce in this movie. He plays very, a very different I didn't even know he was in it. So that'll, it kept that really quiet. The first time I saw it, I know. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's who that is. So, Well, he isn't Hassan. He's not in it till last year. Right. That's I understand. True. He'll be yeah. in it soon. I make that mistake so many times. You, you have no idea. He's I about to be cast in it. That's right. <laughs> Ben's film is The Thing. I'm going to hide this tape when I'm finished. None of us make it. At least there'll be some kind of record. Nobody trusts anybody now. You see, what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms, and it imitates them perfectly. I know I'm human. And if you were all these things, then you'd just attack me right now. So some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. If it takes us over, then it has no more enemies. And then it's one. There's a storm hitting us in six hours. We're going to find out who's who. From 1982. If it's in either category, though. What's that? If it's either category for uh, one guilty pleasure. Because it bombed at the box office, man. Yeah, but retroactively. People didn't like it. Well, and I'll get to that. Okay. I'm at the same year as E.T. That's right. And Blade Runner. Directed by John Carpenter with a running time of 109 minutes. Uh, Its Rotten Tomato score currently sits at 85 with an audience score of 92. Yes, that's better. Because all of the all of the critics who panned this when it came out have now gone back retroactively and re-reviewed it, uh, other than the ones that are dead, of course, and realized the error of their ways. But how are the ones that are dead? How did they die? That's the question. <laughs> you know, we have to ask ourselves this. Perhaps someone That's was right. padding the uh, the account right there. A group of men at an isolated Antarctic research facility encounter a visitor from outer space with a rather peculiar and unsettling habit killing and replacing a person with a copy undetectable from the original. And all it wants to do is survive. Ben, not that I really need to ask this as I love this film, obviously, but for you, why this movie? Well, I was very young and in Australia, we have a TV channel called SBS. It is a government run channel. 
not like PBS. It's actually funded by the government, that, but it's independent. That's like most of the rest of the Western world has. But it, what it is, it's a dedicated multicultural channel. So it gets stuff from all over the world. And occasionally still, well, because we are foreign in Australia to Americans, we have some American stuff. Hey, we got South Park before everyone else on that channel for some reason. Okay. And instead of going to bed, I tried, I didn't want to get in trouble. So I had all the lights off and I just kept the TV real low and I was channel surfing. And I see this dog in the snow being shot at from a helicopter. I'm like, well, that's cool. I don't know what's going on. I need to watch this. And it went from there. And I didn't realize I was in for such a treat watching this show, this TV, this movie on TV for the first time of what it was. And so, how old were you? I might have been like, I'm 42 now. So, and this was in the early 90s, maybe. So, I'm old enough, but not too old. Okay. And plus, I'm from Australia. So, we didn't get all the cultural touchstones you guys did as films. So, I'm <laughs> me seeing it for the first time is like, right. Ooh. I yeah, I, I was introduced to many good films that way. I, so I missed out on any of the opening credits half the time right. and just went in to the to like the first scene. It was bizarre timing, but yeah, the thing was the one that imprinted on me and then has made uh, visually and uh, imaginatively and is res- pretty much responsible for my career from the first book I wow. did, which got turned into a movie because I tried to give it the, the feel of the thing and some of the dread ah. and the, I, the sense of isolation and panic and shit like that. So, so that's why I chose it because it's bloody good. Yes, uh, this is this is a movie that. So in, in 1982, I would have been 14, and so I probably would not have seen this in the theater first round. Uh, plus, it came out and left pretty quickly, um, unfortunately. But uh, I'm sure I saw it. Uh, as soon as it came around to cable. So I don't think I probably was much later than probably 83 or 84 at the latest. There would have been home video release in between at that time. So they usually, it was usually about a year from the release date of the film in the theater before it would start to hit uh, either HBO or Cinemax or whoever happened to get the rights for that or had the deal with Universal at the time. Yeah, uh, this this movie it sunk its teeth into me, no pun intended, uh, from the first watch. This is this is one of those movies that, especially when you're a kid, you watch and you're just like, "Holy crap, this is amazing!" I mean, I knew I knew all about it at the time because uh, I've gone over this before. I was a big Starlog Fangoria kid growing up, so you know, from the from the from the year Star Wars came out when I was seven, uh, I was big into special and makeup effects. Uh, to the point where I almost like did like a correspondence course to like a Stan Winston school uh, mm-hmm. to the, you know, cause I was like really thinking that I, that was something I really wanted to do. Cause it was just so up my alley. Uh, obviously that didn't pan out quite that way, but I was needless to say, I was always kind of ahead of the curve when it came to movies that especially were effects laden one way or the other, while horror films, uh, movies like this alien, you know, the list can go on forever. Any, any movie that had any sort of, you know, sci-fi horror tilt to it. I was, I was definitely on board with. So yeah, this, I, this, you know, I obviously would have seen a lot of the, the effect shots. Rob Bottin was already a star in my eyes from what he had done in the howling and seeing this and what was accomplished by him and Stan Winston for this film uh, is just when it comes to practical effects there. I mean, they still, I mean, watching this again today, they still absolutely hold up. There's still no, you don't look at it and go, oh, that looks like a rubber dog. That looks like a, 
you know, that looks like a crappy plastic arm or that looks like, you know, a guy holding the stick or something. Everything still works. I I've, I've seen this movie at least 25 times, you know, you know, we, uh, I don't, people listening, if you do or don't know, I, we published an art book three years ago, sorry, uh, based all on artwork based on this film. You know, that's this, not why I chose the film either. Well, no, I, I didn't, I, I didn't <laughs> expect you so. know how to hit my button. Fix. Hey, uh, when, when we were, when we were trolling artists for the, for the book, I hit up Mark Silvestri and told him about the project and, and he got very excited as well. He just, Mark's just a very busy guy and he, he does not work the fastest and he just couldn't get a piece done in time. But, uh, the thing he said, he's got like, he's got like 10 DVDs in his studio that he has on like rotation that he just plays for background noise. And he's like, the thing is never out of that 10. He's like, it's always in there. So he, he hears that movie several times a year just playing in the background Hassan I saw this movie when I was a kid how much of a kid I don't even know 12 maybe something like that and just didn't know what I was walking into had no clue what I was about to walk into. <laughs> yeah, that was. And it's what it's it's also that age where you're really excited about something because it's good. You're gonna you're gonna do something that, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be doing at age twelve. Like you're gonna watch something you shouldn't be seeing. You're gonna you're gonna experience something you shouldn't. <laughs> and then, and then you find out why halfway through. It's like oh, because <laughs> this is doing something to my brain. Yeah. You know, this is this is messing me up pretty bad. I have uh, probably seen this movie. 50 60 times uh i watch it on a regular <laughs> basis i'm astonished by the movie because i don't remember i probably cannot cannot properly recount my first viewing of it because i still watch this movie and get freaked out you know or or have the pr- profound feeling of unease you know, just because of all the circumstances okay. in this in the film, so I can't imagine being twelve and watching it for the first time. I must have been catatonic, you know, you know, just trying to get through the film. I didn't, you know, when I was twelve, I didn't know about special effects. I didn't know that, that you know any of this was groundbreaking. It's just a horror movie to a kid, you know. It's just a they, you know, all all horror movies are like this, and everything looked real, you know. When you're twelve and you're and you know your your mind is not looking for squibs and you know, strings and, and all that, that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So the movie worked on me on a profound level, you know, and the, the reason I keep coming back to it, it's one of the few horror movies that I've seen that still work, that is still like, it's, it's the genuine atmosphere of the film and the, and the mood of the film and the isolation that these guys are experiencing and the, you know, the, the, the situation in and of itself, it's highly effective. That works on me. Also, and I was thinking about this while we were watching it, and thank you for that, by the way, Ben, because any excuse to rewatch the thing. Oh, good. No one in this film does anything stupid. You know, there's no horror trope in the film where people are like, oh, I'm just going to go here by myself, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to open this box that, you know, that I shouldn't, you know. And I, I'm a, I mean, every time someone is, finds himself isolated or alone, or some kind of circumstance. It's a, it's it's circumstantial. It's a it's a it's an event because of the 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 circumstances of the film in and of itself. Like everybody is weary of this thing immediately. No one is Hollywood stupid 
about wow, this is gonna make us rich, That's peculiar. famous. Yeah, this is, we're gonna use this. We're gonna we're gonna write papers on this, you know. And one guy's like, "You should lock that up," and everybody else is like, "Everybody's like, no, this is for science. No one, no one has any of those." Everybody's like, "Yo, man, something's really weird. We found something really strange. Some strange shit has been happening since we found it. I mean, even the dog, the dog's like, lock this dog up." Like the minute you know when the, the, the guy's sitting at the desk, I think is it is it um, I forget who was sitting at the desk, Did and he's like, you? yeah, and he's like, hey, Bennings, lock, yeah, Bennings, like lock this dog up. They don't even like, oh, just let it run around. It's just a dog. It just no, I mean, it it's and 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 even the dogs act accordingly. You know, immediately like, hey, look, don't put that in here, man. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. don't ruin our night by putting this fucker in here you know it's, it's so every everything the the movie continues to work because every choice that every character made you probably would say i probably would have done the same thing under that circumstance you know the only thing that's kind of horror movie ish odd and it um and it's still not a bad moment is when Childs goes running out, you know, they, they look out the window and they see Childs going, going, leaving the compound by himself. Right. And then, and then seconds later, the lights go out. And so it's effectively creepy as hell. Right. But it's, it's probably the only gimmicky moment in it. Like, okay, what's going on with this guy? You know, what's going on? Everything else is just like, it's, it's just almost like the camera's just happening to catch really bad stuff. These guys have been together for a long time. Most, most likely they've been together for too long, but none of these guys are idiots. All of these guys are, are here for a function. You know, they, all of these guys break for their corners, you know, of expertise. The minute the, the, the situation starts to jump off wrongly and the, these guys lose for the most part, not because of incompetence, but because the situation was just bigger and and took play and 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 started um, and gained a foothold into where they were living before the, any of them was aware that there was a problem, mm-hmm. you know. And the one guy who was smarter than everybody went insane, you know. Like Blair just snaps because he he was able to assess the the, the circumstance and the situation for what it was, and and instead of you know, kind of coming back and listen, guys, I got to let you know that I've, I've run the numbers and no, his mind just, just breaks from, from what they, it, it's no small thing that they discovered this gigantic fucking spaceship in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the snow and an alien from that's 10,000 years old. And that's still alive. That's it's no tiny thing. And none of these guys acts like this is a casual circumstance and i think for me that's one of the reasons that the film still works also it's a very lean film um other than botine's work which is very robust but the film itself is lean the soundtrack carpenter's soundtrack is is lean as hell it's like it's 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 almost it's not no it's any morcone oh well i think i knew that and that's um same difference no it's not (laughs) no no it's not americani Oh, who just who we insane. just lost we just lost yeah, he just died. that's that theme for 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 the thing is is likened to uh john williams jaws you know in its simplicity well morricone knew john carpenter's scores 
going in. So he actually did write that. He was ripping his. his he was his... he was riffing a little bit on John going in and writing that score. That's why I that score I... does sound like it could have been John. Yeah, because it sounds a lot like John's score for uh, Ghost of Mars. A little bit. He's got the. He's got that fair, you know, bassy simplicity yep. in, in Ghost of Mars. But anyway, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Stay on target. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, I'm not going to gush any more than that. I can't, I can't really say enough good about this. It's, it's just a fantastic, it's the same experience every time. It's a great experience. You see, it's funny you say that because I, this is actually the first time I've ever watched it not on a television. I watched it on my computer because I had, I had other stuff to do. So I had it running on one screen while I was working on the other, and I was kind of paying attention and watching it at the same time. So it's the first time I've ever listened to the movie in headphones. Mm, and this okay. is the first time, cause I've never obviously had my TV up loud enough to catch the sound. Cause there's that scene right before McCready pulls the fire alarm where he's getting a beer out of the fridge yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden he just stops. And then he jumps right over to the fire alarm, breaks the glass and pulls the fire alarm. And I've never, I've never been able to catch what it was that he heard. And, and now listening to it in headphones tonight, I finally heard the noise. And it's just basically a slow buildup to that noise that the, the creature makes. But it's done in such a way that if you, if you get the, if you've, if you've never heard this before, no, I, 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 I highly recommend listening, watching the movie on and, and listening to it in headphones because there's a couple of audio cues very early in that, or like, especially right around that time that you're just like, Holy shit. I never know. I was never heard that before. It's really quiet clearly, but in headphones, you can hear it, hear it right away. The other thing I noticed watching it this time, uh, and sorry, but just cause I was paying more attention that the whole first, I mean, re really, key to this entire film other than McCready really is Blair that first scene with him and Clark in the kennel when when he's first asking Clark well did you notice anything you know why was the dog out walking around oh because he was just he just was I mean he came in he wasn't one of our dogs so he wasn't in the kennel well why was he just out walking around well he just he just was you know well how long were you alone with the dog I don't know mm -hmm. about an hour. Why? And then, then Clark starts to get a little defensive and he's like, why? And, and, and Blair just looks at him and dude, I swear to God, that look from Wilford Brimley. He's just like, oh, nothing. He looks right through him. He's just like, he's just like probably nothing. But you're, you, at that point, you just know that he's already, he's already ticking the boxes. And I think, I think what happens to him is that he has already assessed that they've already lost control of it. Like they've, you know, there's no way, there's no way to contain this. There's, there's the, you know, the, we, this is a, this is a circumstance that's above our capabilities to contain it. Well, that and first screen, the first screen says percentage of, you know, chance that one or more members of the crew is, is contaminated. Right. Like 75%. And he's like, well, fuck me. But think, but think about like, like the, um, Think about the confidence that you have to have as a storyteller to to um, to be comfortable with that information being the only information the audience has before a character goes ahead and does something without him. There's no ex, you know uh, exposition scene 
where Blair is like, you got to understand that, you know, the, the computer says that this is going to destroy everybody. And we've, you know, and he is, he is kind of explaining it, but he's explaining it with an ax, you know, in the, in the <laughs> middle of his, so nobody is, it, nobody can be, every, every one of those characters can be forgiven for not, taking what he's saying into context right you know so that that's another thing every every piece of of uh, every breach of their security every everything that gets by them gets by them circumstantially not because they're dumb the the norwegian guy speaks norwegian none of them do so the guy first of all is probably half mad from whatever they went through right they, they unfortunately he just lost his helicopter and he lost his pilot you know because of because they're so they're so fucked up because of this experience that they don't you know that they're deranged at this point and he's explaining it he's probably giving the whole plot away to uh he to, does if you yeah, understand to, norwegian he says that was that i actually read it today what he says in the in the film the guy actually says in norwegian don't go near it it's not a dog and all of them can be forgiven for not understanding it. And he's coming at them with a gun. Right. He, he shoots one of them by accident. But, he, right. you know, because, again, he's deranged. They're all deranged. And so they shoot him. Completely understandable circumstance, you know. Right. Um, and so this thing kind of just getting in. And Clark, unfortunately, has a soft spot for dogs. You know, that's his responsibility. Right. So he's, you know. So Clark is just looking at the dog as just another innocent creature that some some crazy, crazy Norwegian foreigner, crazy yeah, was trying trying to shoot from a helicopter. You know, they maybe they would they were they were uh, they were hunting it for sport. You know, as far as they're concerned. So by the time any any of them are aware that they are that the situation is fucked, it's already too late for them to do anything. Oh yeah, and and that's another wonderful aspect of it. Like you know, so many movies, especially horror movies, for me, we'll discuss later. Uh, at our leisure, um, it, the the horror movie propels itself through the stupidity of a character. You know, someone going to do something that they shouldn't do, right. a lot or looking under, yeah, looking under a chest that they shouldn't look under, using a Ouija board hey, in a haunted house. There's a yeah. reason that that Geico that Geico commercial with the kids, you know, <laughs> running works. away from the chainsaw wielding slasher, and they're in there, and they, you know, the guy, and she's like, "Let's go hide behind those chainsaws." <laughs> yeah. And she's like, "Why don't we just get in the running car?" <laughs> yeah. And he's like, "No." Yeah, and even the even the the maniac, yeah. like, oh my the god, the eye roll from the maniac is <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> subtle and brilliant in that commercial i love that commercial and uh, so i mean look the film is just it's a masterwork um i've seen a whole i've seen 150 uh behind the scenes of it just to try to get into the dna of it i'm convinced it was done with uh, by uh by genius work from a genius filmmaker but i convinced that it's it's such a work that it probably cannot be duplicated. It's a combination of Carpenter's genius, but it's a combination of every one of the actors, the circumstances they were in, because they were all living together in that isolated place, you know, in a hotel. So they 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 form their own camaraderie. Also, because of the era that it was made, oh, yeah. stories were better than you know stories were were. <laughs> In my opinion, stories were allowed to breathe. They had air. They, you know, they, they, they were, you know, you, they, they took time to show you uh, uh, Childs and, and, and what's his name just watching, uh, you know, the same videotape over and over again. They took right. time to give you little visual cues as to 
A, the isolation, B, the camaraderie they built up with them, C, that they're probably all kind of stir crazy from how long they've been there. So, it, it, you know, that, that, that situation was a, was a powder keg, you know, and Carpenter, I think the genius of Carpenter is just how much he just does, does not tell you. He doesn't bother to explain. Everything's there. Yes. But, and he's confident enough that this is enough information for you. Absolutely. You know? And so I, you know, I don't, I'm done. I'm going to stop. I just don't, <laughs> I don't have enough. I don't have enough time to, to, to gush about this movie. I don't have enough good things to say about it. Play? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a classic horror movie. It's, it's great on many levels uh, on the subject of people getting paranoid when they're isolated. It does a great job of, of painting it with, you know, there's a lot of characters in this movie all in one confined space. And you feel like you get to know all of them a little bit at least. And that's, I, that's what I like the most about it. If, if I'm going to nitpick, I, isn't this a different movie if you lose if you lose the first shot with the flying saucer? I mean, doesn't that give away something right off the bat? Whereas if you don't see that, you go in even blinder. I suppose you could, but yeah. I mean, they don't they don't travel directly from the flying saucer to where it lands or crashes or anything like that. They just show no. the flying saucer, and but then you they know go. There's an you know it has to do with the flying saucer. You know, sure, and that's I. I don't know. I feel my only nitpick with this movie is the beginning. I think you, I think they if the without that shot, it's it just makes it a tiny bit better. And I I just have a little bit of a problem with the final scene. I I get it. I get what they're trying to do. There's nothing left of the story. They're fucked. They're sitting there talking to each other. But I needed I needed just a little bit more in that last scene for me to gush about it or love it as much as you guys i i do like it a lot i think i think it's i didn't see it till i was in my 20s i think i saw it mid 90s for the first time so yep. i remember you had talked about it by then and i had i had never seen it the first time you see it you know and even today the you know the effects are you know they don't disappoint now and back then they probably really didn't disappoint especially if you saw it in 1982 and you were a a kid who snuck into the theater. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> there's some rough scenes that are like, what the fuck is going on in this scene? And why am I watching this? Okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty sure I passed out when Richard Dysart got his arms ripped off. <laughs> pretty sure. That's, pretty that's sure I face planted in my, in my living room. <laughs> Yo, I love the fact that the one guy that they're all tied to the couch and the one guy starts going bonkers and the, Two guys are tied up and they're fucked. You know, they're getting pretty much fucked. That was great suspense. When he threw his coffee into the computer, I didn't like that very much. I thought that was a little bit over the top. The game why cheats. You, why are you white? What you said? Bitch. The game cheats. Yeah, I know. <laughs> destroying a computer over a chess game. That was. I, I always felt as if that they didn't show it, but stacked up in the end of his shack was just a stack of those machines. <laughs> Yeah, I, always, I, always, I always felt like he would just be like, throw one out, go over, pull another one out of the box and set it up. <laughs> now, Hassan said it, it'd be very hard to duplicate this. I, I personally don't think the remake is that bad. I kind of like the remake. Slash prequel? Yeah. Uh, well, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, it did. I agree with you. Dovetails into the beginning. At the end yeah, of it, dovetails that's right, into I the forgot beginning. About it. You see the yeah, dog very line. nicely. Yeah actually yeah. very very faithfully i i i do appreciate the prequel for 
for the fact that they it, they they made a remake, but they respected the original enough to to continue to legitimize the original. You know? they well, to, yeah, me, they weren't going to top it. So to to continue to uh, legitimize the second remake. Honestly, because. the the biggest mistake they made with that film was not doing practical effects. That's what they did, Agreed. which they actually did make, and then didn't use. Especially for they them, ended up throwing them all out because of studio interference. I thought that ending. Everyone forgets it's meant to be what two snowmobiles or at least one in the ending, right near the saucer, in the lead up to the real thing from the eighties. So, like, I don't think snow would have covered it in yeah. time because you don't get much precipitation at all in the in the Antarctica. No. So it's like, hey, wait, wait, there should be bodies and stuff. That's a good point. Yeah. Right. At- There's also like, where did Mary Elizabeth Winstead go? Off. I always said she she rolled around and ended up picking up uh, uh, McCready and Childs in a deleted scene, you know. There you go. But but no, but I I, I agree with you, Latha. I, I I don't mind that movie. I think it's a no. I think it's a decent addition to uh, to the original. But I mean, we're talking about you know we're we're talking about this one it, again. If if you don't know. If you take out that first shot of the saucer and you don't know Norwegian when they come walking up, you're still completely clueless as to what's going on at that point. And actually, you, you know, most people are anyway because most, you know, this is most people seeing this are American or whatever. Eventually, so he he didn't even subtitle that the Norwegian part, nope. right? So you could even make it even more mysterious and still build your suspense and make it work fine. I think that's the only thing I would change. I mean, otherwise, you know, it's, it's a great, that's exactly how I watched it the first time I watched it. I I missed the first, the saucer thing. Yeah. Because you missed it. I just saw a dog in the snow. I'm like, okay, that's funny. That's what I mean. If you just start, I think you start with the dog in the snow and that's, that's a great beginning shot. And I know you want that title sequence and the, the setup, whatever, maybe the, maybe the studio wanted that or whatever. That's fine. It, it doesn't hurt it. I just think it would it would be really cool to start it after that. But uh, otherwise, I mean, it's it's a great horror film. If you watch horror movies, you got you know you need to tick this one off. If you're used to anything, uh, used to watching stuff in the last twenty years, you better you know tick this one off your list, or you're not a horror film. Yeah, I mean this this movie generally makes most people's top ten lists. Right for horror. Yeah. Yes, it's it's arguable that this movie is technically the same thing as the remake because the sequences that they watch the norwegians you know they watch the norwegians uncover the ship right use the it's it's mm. pretty much the same circumstance from the original the thing from outer space right where they 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 basically find the outline in the snow and then they use explosives to to dig it out right so you can you could kind of say that all three of these movies are are happening in the same, you know, kind of in the same. They're they're all connected. They're all sequels to each other, not necessarily remake. Well, for certainly the the newest thing is is not a remake and not a direct remake. But right. even even Carpenter's thing seems to be kind of an homage to the original, to the circumstances of the original film. Very, very much so. I mean, I'm, Carpenter is an unabashed Howard Hawks fan. I mean, that's you know, Christian Nyby you know, and Howard Hawks made that original film. And I mean, that's, you know, that's, he's never shied away from the fact that that's, you know, that's his guy. Maybe yeah. that's why the, the saucer needs to be there too. Cause the original film, the title gives it away. 
So the thing from, right, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing from another world. Yeah. yeah. So I mean it's you know, if you know about that movie, you're not fooled from the beginning anyway, seeing this. I you know, so well, and it's funny too because I, I don't know if any of you, I mean, Ben, you might have read the original uh novella Who Goes uh, who, There. Who goes there? I've read the Wikipedia synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> I never probably should Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, good yeah, enough yeah. good enough same difference and in, the, in, a, in a couple of years ago they uh the family actually put out a full length sort of treatment of it where they expanded on stuff that that campbell had written and his son kind of put it all together and re-released it as a book called frozen hell so it's actually a full novel length story now all right but none of the three films are really true adaptations yeah. of the campbell story it's a it's a whole it's a whole i mean the 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 original is the closest to the actual monster because it's more this plant-based creature but it's still not walking around like James Arness with you know horns on him <laughs> and then obviously and then in the other two are clearly you know interlinked in their own way but they are again a step further to the other direction i uh, i i read this I read this short story ages ago when again when i was a kid and and prob- probably before this movie was done uh, would be the first time I encountered the short or the novella because I would have been right in my era of sci-fi and and reading all the kind of hit trying to hit all the classics and stuff like that. Um, so I'm sure when they announced that this movie was based on that, I probably read it before the film came out. Yeah, I, I, there's just there, there's just a lot about this movie. There's nothing like that hits me personally about it. It's, there was nothing like I watched it at a certain time of my life or anything like that. But it's just it's it's just a really really good film and it doesn't it doesn't lose anything it hasn't it hasn't lost a step with time like Hassan said it's pretty lean it jumps right into things it doesn't there's not there's never a time in this movie where I'm where I'm thinking you know you could probably cut a couple minutes off here a couple minutes off there and and you know we could tighten this up a little more there's none of that with this there's nothing in here where you're ever thinking this scene could be a little shorter or this scene doesn't need to be here you know, again, and like Latham said, you could argue that there's a couple of things that, you know, that could be could be there. And there's I mean, there's a there's a version that was played on television that's considerably different that. So when it originally ran on network TV, uh, this version is on the Scream Factory DVD release. Actually, you can watch the original television cut and it's got it's got a voiceover narration at yep. the beginning of each character introducing them and telling you a kind of a little bit of background of each one they do and what, and what they do at the camp. Well, it's it's weird. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really dumbing it down for everybody. It sounds like. Cause they had cut 17 or 18 minutes out of it uh, for, for television. Yeah. And so they added in, they had a bunch of extra crap that they added in and that voiceover narration entry at, at the beginning was part of it. And I was, and I, and I, I, to this day, I don't understand why that's even needed. There's, there's never a time when you don't know what everyone's job is. It's a good, it, I think it's a good screenplay to teach people mm. how to write screenplays. I, that it's very, mm. very well structured. The dialogue is lean. No dialogue is wasted. It's either, either establishes a character or, moves the plot forward it's 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 another reason why this movie works so well and the dialogue is good too the dialogue's yeah. not like 
there's no cheesy bits in there where you're just like, you know, you may like a line just because, but there's just a lot, you know, whatever it is, it's weird and pissed off. That's something somebody would say, you know, that just sounds like a line that a guy would say to another guy coming across something like that. Even, you know, Kurt Russell's hero line at the end when he, what does he say? He just says, ah, fuck you or whatever, you know. (laughs) I mean, that's great. That's at that point. Yeah, it's fuck you too. With this yeah. blobby piece of shit. And he's like, <laughs> fuck you enough. <laughs> that's great. And that's why you can't have that throughout the film, but you can have it there at the end. It works great. Even the strange dynamic that the, un- the unexplained dynamic between McCready and Childs is set up very early, you know, right. Slightly only, only subtly antagonistic, you know, yep. but it was, you know, and it's, and it's an authoritarian thing, you know. It's like, uh, you know, it's it's an not necessarily bucking for alpha male, but yeah, bit, you know, though. each of, yeah, but each of them just kind of button heads because they they have the probably the the strongest personalities out of that entire set, and so they they're just going to keep banging heads. Yeah, I mean, they you know, they oh, why are you taking charge? Well, why are you taking charge? You know, yeah, I mean, everyone okay. suspects each other, but yeah, you're right. And everybody well, else just kind of falls in line, you know, to, to, you know takes a, a willfully takes a back seat to all of that. They're like nobody else wants the responsibility of whatever, you know, of whatever being in charge or whatever duties come with making right. the decisions. Nobody yeah. wants anything to do with that. That person's probably going to end up dying. So no one right. else wants anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah. And I love that great scene with Norris and he's just like, I, 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 no guys, I'm just not up for it. Yeah. You know, That's important. Not. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and then sadly he's, a thing so yeah yeah it's 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 really good i mean that there's just no really two ways about it it's just uh, to think that so many so many reviewers at the time were so hung up the gore and makeup factor of this film that they felt the need to you know look down on that because of it and ignore everything else about it that's the one interesting thing I did, I actually went and looked up. I actually found the clip on YouTube of the Siskel and Ebert at the movies review, the original review yep. that they did on on TV, and the two of them actually switched their sort of positions that they normally would take in a film like this. Gene Siskel was very much of the of the uh, of the non gory horror guy. Just always hated horror movies. It was not his thing. And Siskel was much much more open to like finding. I mean, Ebert was much more open to finding the sort of the hidden gem, or he was open to like being a little off of the off the beaten track, or a little over the edge with stuff. If it you know it was important to the film, and and Ebert hated this movie. He just. He, yeah. thought, he he called it the barf bag movie of the summer. Um, yeah. And Siskel, while he did not appreciate the gore in it, which was very much to his brand, he did appreciate and really liked like the, the suspense and the buildup and the, like the, the representation of paranoia and all that, how that, how he, how Carpenter built all that out and the, he, and he made a point. And so he actually thumbs up it and Ebert thumbs down it. They split yeah. on it. Yeah. Which is not the directions you would have expected from them. No, no. Um, John has said, uh, Carpenter, that uh, this is his, of all the films he's made, this is his favorite film of his own that he's done. Damn. That he, the one he was most, that he's most proud of. And so, it, you know, and that's, I think, one, another reason why it hit especially hard. I, asked, I, I also saw a, apparently, Christian Nyby, who directed the original 50s 
one even commented on it. He was still alive when it came out. And uh, he had a comment that was something along the lines of, well, it's a really great ad for J and B that, that was like his review of it. And that, that oh, really yeah. hit that oh. hit. Yeah. And it was, it was just terrible to hear. Cause you know, and it, I'm, I'm glad that now people realize, but it's like, it sucks when at the time it, it started driving him to a place where he was seriously considering not yeah, making movies funny. anymore. That's the, crazy. the producer's first choice for a director was John uh, universal had Toby Hooper under contract. So they were going to give the reins to him. And uh, apparently Hooper submitted two screenplay drafts and Universal didn't like either one of them. And so they went ahead and, uh, and Carpenter obviously had a big hit with Halloween, followed it up with the fog. So they, uh, they eventually agreed with the producers and uh, that's how John got the gig. Universal exec Sid Scheinberg added the second tagline to the posters, the ultimate in alien terror. Uh, to capitalize upon the success of Alien. <laughs> oh, boy. Because they thought that, you know, that's, you know, their comps for this were, you know, mm. were Star Wars and Alien. That was like, you know, that was like their big thing for this movie. Yep. Um, Nothing's going to beat in space. No one can hear you scream. That's so. right. Exactly. <laughs> nothing, nothing beats that. I don't know right. what you could say about the thing. I don't know what kind of clever tagline you could say, even say about the thing that would not give the film away. You know, more than I still like the one, the original one. The man is the warmest place to hide. Yeah, uh, but it kind of gives the film away a little. It, gives, it gives does, but it, what, it, what's going on? But it is really good. Yeah, I, it, there, I mean, yeah, the but you don't. Is the man's best friend. But it could be. I mean, you 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 don't know whether. If, I mean, clearly the, the 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 physiognomy of of what it does to a person is not clear until it's made clear to you. But I mean, you, but that tagline, I mean, it could be a parasite. It could be a creature that crawls inside you and lives, you know, you don't, you don't know. Mm. I mean, it's still a little vague, but yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Okay. okay. It's still good though. It is. Yes. And, and especially if you know the story, you, you hear right. that and you're like, Oh, I get that immediately. You right. know? Yeah. Um, so Nick Nolte and Jeff Bridges both turned down the role of McCready and, hmm. uh, and apparently Fred Ward campaigned for the role. And oh, no, <laughs> I mean, no. unless he's, yeah, I don't know. Fred, yeah, I mean, you can't see anyone there, else, but Russell. there's a kind of swagger that the Russell has to it. A, a tired swagger, you oh, know, yeah. like, you know, that the, the worn out cowboy kind of thing that I think Fred Ward love him. No, no, no issues with him. Love him. But time, time I think, huh? Yeah. <laughs> time writer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more Remo Williams. Yeah, you Remo know, Williams. I mean, uh, the you know, but, begins and ends. But uh, yeah, it's pretty. Well, no, there was a TV movie, um, but but we won't talk about it. Uh, the yes, it was. Yes, there was. Wasn't with Fred Ward though. Um, wow, why am I looking it up then? <laughs> and the uh, tune was played yes. by Roddy McDowell in the TV movie. Really strange, but anyway, never mind that. Correct. Um, but I digress. The, Fred Ward is just a little. He's a little too New York for that. He's too in your face, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, attitude. You know, I mean, he's got the he's got the chops to kind of back his attitude up. But but Kurt Russell's McCready didn't even have to profile. Like he was just right. like, yeah, well, just do it, child. You know, just yeah. just just get it done. Just make sure that you know. And it and it kind of works is he no the the uh, again the film works because no one is hollywood no one's over the top no one's acting really 
You know, you never you never right. see a moment where you're like just this guy. Even Blair's, even the, the the most acting you could see is Wilford Brimley's freak out. And I totally buy that Wilford Brimley is genuinely freaking out at that right. point. You know, this thing wanted to be us. <laughs> yeah. It's got it diabetes. He wasn't getting anywhere being a dog. <laughs> got diabetes. It's got the beaties. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ber- Bernie Casey, Isaac Hayes, Jeffrey Holder, Ernie Hudson, and Carl no. Weathers were all considered for Childs. No, Bernie Casey. Yeah. I mean, they're Carl all- Weathers could have done it. Carl Weathers could have pulled it off. Would have been different though. Keith Keith David's got this. Yeah, Keith really Keith David just he he's just he's a lot like Kurt Russell, where his his presence is unspoken. Like you know, you just kind of get his attitude and his 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 state of being from his mannerisms without him having to really say anything about you know. I I love that sequence that scene where he's like facing off with McCready with the gun and he's like then I guess I'll just have to kill you and 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 he does that thing with his face where he's like okay yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. he takes it all the way to the edge yeah and then yeah. he's like all right you're not backing down you got the gun in my face all right I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go sit on the couch now <laughs> and he's still tied to a sofa Still, yeah. still jockeying for positions. Like, well, that means that means that you just kill Clark. That means that makes you a murderer. You know, yeah. well, he's like, he's a completely in a vulnerable situation. So that's a great yeah. line. That makes you a murderer. That's a great line. Uh, Lee Van Cleef was considered for Gary because uh, John had just got done shooting Escape from New York. Hmm. It, it could have worked. Yeah. Uh, Rob Bottin, uh had asked to play Palmer. Uh, but was so overwhelmed with effects work that he couldn't do it because he had uh, he had played uh, Blake in The Fog, so he uh, was he was looking to get a little more acting in, allowed a little more visibility on uh, a role. So, no, uh, stick to your special effects, dude. Yeah. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Richard Masur turned down a role in E.T. in order to play Clark. <laughs> ah, you know. I appreciate that. That's right. Uh, Ed, you yeah. got to respect him for it now, but I bet you it stung at the time. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he he's a winner now. You know, because people nobody even talks about ET anymore. No, nah, you know, really garbage. No, I didn't say that. But I mean, it, nobody nobody talks about ET. People are still talking about the thing. I remember Steve. When, I know. I'm just kidding. Like, remember when You're we went to see. I'm not Carpenter. doing an ET art book. <laughs> you know what I'm well, fuck you. <laughs> well, if they ever get any royalties from any of this, I don't know what the setup no, is. You must be so. getting good. Like, that's a constant stream for how many people like and love and watch the thing. You, versus, you, yeah. you get a convention oh, uh, yeah, invitations and, you know, I don't know how much more you get out of it. Um, and now they're down to, I think, seven guys are still alive. Mm. From the do you thing. remember when um when we went to see Carpenter do his uh do his concert? Yeah, and it, and he played uh he played the thing, mm-hmm. um even though it wasn't his, but I mean it's from one of his movies, yeah. and the crowd went nuts over yeah. it. You know, so I mean it's the thing is it is tremendous. It really is. Uh, it's kind of like a Jimi Hendrix kind of situation where it's it's so it's so great that nobody really even talks about it. You know, people, it's just kind of there. It's, it's in the Pantheon with Blade Runner, you know, it's, it's one right. of the, the groundbreaking 
uh, okay. films. So as of this year, Kurt Russell, or I should say, uh, McCready, uh, Childs, Clark, Bennings, Palmer, Windows, and Nalls are all still alive. Is there like a website that tracks this? <laughs> uh, no, but you could you could <laughs> probably track it on Outpost Thirty One if you were so inclined. I don't know what that is. Outpost Thirty One dot com. It's a website dedicated to the thing. Poor Windows. Oh. Okay. Uh, I, I've met Windows actually. I, I gave him a copy of the book. Believe it or not, I run over by a train oh. in the Warriors. That's right. <laughs> yeah, died, died. in front of us. <laughs> we call that dying badly. <laughs> <laughs> Because he couldn't get along with the director, according to the story. Oh, Walter Hill? Yeah. Because no. he was it was supposed to be him and uh and what's her name? Whatever the, the, the girl's name was in the Warriors. We're this is not a Warriors episode, so I don't need to be up on it. But I yeah. mean basically they were the ones who were supposed to have the relationship, not Deborah she Van Valkenberg. Uh but uh but he couldn't he there were differences between he and uh, Walter Hill. So he threw him in front of a train. It's funny because he's uh, he has an acting school in New York, Thomas Waits. Yeah, that's what he does I, now. He teaches acting. I was surprised to hear that that was he was Windows. I'd seen yeah. I'd seen some other uh, some I was watching some other uh, kind of video or something like that on the Warriors, and I was like, oh my god, that's Windows, you know. So, yeah. I mean, he's he doesn't do well in movies, you know. He gets <laughs> he he gets killed he badly, yes, yeah, in very bad ways, but you know he's. He's still out there. He's still kicking. He's still making a making noise. Uh, so this was the first film that John did that he didn't score himself. He had asked Jerry Goldsmith, uh, but Jerry Goldsmith said no. And so the uh, they then hired Ennio Morricone. That's not a bad consolation prize. No, I, no. Yeah. In the That's scene, it's just in the, so great. In the scene where they show Jed walk into the room or stand in the doorway, and you just see the shadow on the door of the person sitting in the room backlit. Mm-hmm. He didn't want anyone from the cast to be recognizable by their silhouette or anyone to be able to figure out who was in the room. So he actually used a crew member for that <laughs> for that shot so that it wouldn't match up with anyone in the cast. <laughs> I thought that was a fun little trick. And that was Fuchs, right? That was the that was just before Fuchs supposedly went missing. No, uh, isn't it? No, well Fuchs no, Fuchs was in the lab. Fuchs was in the lab by himself before right. he goes missing. Okay. Everyone knows the female voice on the computer was Adrian Barbeau, right? Of course. That's a pretty common one. The This one was interesting. So the thing that they bring back from the Norwegian camp, the big cluster of mass of parts, whatever you want to call it, um, and it's got the two faces that are yeah. you know, the, the tangy taffy faces. So that was made from a clay press of the actor Robert Picardo. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> Yep, that's whose that's whose face that is. I had no idea that that was a great. He one. pops up in the strangest thing. That's He's the best certain- gig that guy could get back then. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't he the witch in in Legend? The, the witch that comes out of the swamp that tries to attack. Uh, yeah, that that's Robert Picardo. Yeah, I think so. It's the strangest. He just he's just in the weirdest places. He pops up. Yep. Good actor. And you guys know that this is part of the Apocalypse trilogy. This is the this is the first of the Apocalypse Trilogy, John's Apocalypse Trilogy. No, what's the other two? The other two are Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness. Oh. How does that, that connect? Like at the end of all these movies, the world's over with? Yeah, world-ending events kind of yeah, circumstance. Kind of. That sounds... But okay. <laughs> it's the 2020 Trilogy. 
That's right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's ahead of his time. That's <laughs> way ahead of his time. Yeah, well, I challenge someone to find someone that doesn't like the thing, so long as they're receptive to horror in general. Yeah, fair enough. That's true. There won't be anyone. It's a good movie without being a horror movie, too. So yeah, yeah. That's that's. It's Does anybody one. have an opinion on on the ending? Was it was it either McCready or Child or neither? It was Child's. <laughs> it was Child's. Barely saw any breath. He had much less breath. He wouldn't drink the alcohol. Did casually explain away his absence for. A while. It's like, come on, it was it was Child's. I reckon. Interesting. That's good insight. But you do see a bit of breath, so he does have some breath at the end. And there so is a little twinkle in his eye. He doesn't have yeah, yeah the uh, eye shine thing too. Yeah. So. Mm. But uh, I, I, oh, but you see, they use the eye shine thing in the room with everybody yeah. to show you mm-hmm. that Palmer is the thing. Yeah, yeah. The thing so that's actually the opposite. Right. Wait, I so tend to think it's eye? neither of them, and that's the tragedy of the film that neither of them Correct. is the thing, and they both froze to death. Mike, yeah, but, but, but it's not. That's the theme of the movie: is that it's all suspicion. I mean, someone's the thing, but. I mean, the one guy gets shot in the head, and he wasn't the thing. So, right, I mean, it's that's the whole. You know, it's what that's, kills you that's, first, the monster or your own your own worry. That's his Decker, a a, a, a replicant. You know, it's his, that those things are never going to be settled. We're never going to. And apparently, them. apparently, at some point, uh, John was asked if the video game that came out that was sort of a loose sequel to the movie. Yeah was in fact true and he said that that game is is part is canonical it's part of the that the thing world and it's whatever it says is is the way is the fact but when asked directly well who if either one of them at the end of the thing were the thing he just defaults to to not answering he (laughs) won't he will not admit one way or the other that either one was the thing yeah like that's not spinning or no that's not the that's not the point of the film. Yeah, that's not that's not where you should be focused. Well, and I mean, ruin it. It's ambi- ruin ambiguous. It. Ambiguity is fine. Although, I mean, like uh, uh, Ridley Scott came out and said that Deckard was a replicant, and people still yeah, don't believe him. Both, he said both things. He said he wasn't. He said he was. He doesn't fucking know. He left it <laughs> open ended, and he, he knows says a different thing each week now. Anyway, so. <laughs> I mean, don't ask Christopher Nolan if the fucking top is. Falls down at the end of Inception. Okay, he's not. He's I'll, not I'll, I'll, re- I'll remember that when I run into him. <laughs> well, he's right here. He's happy. You, I saw that movie twice when, in the theater. What do you oh, think, Chris? What do you think of the thing? Oh, you don't like it? Oh, I found someone who doesn't like the thing. Christopher yeah. Nolan. Well, well, good fuck for Christopher Nolan. Yeah. yeah. Good. Fuck you, man. What's he done good for him. He has no taste. Obviously, That's right. You suck. So this is a film that uh, everybody should see. That's all there is on the thing. No, but you know what? There might be some place we well, we oh might be boy. we might have to talk about some aspect of them. What aspect, Steve? You know where. You know what we have to do. Do you guys rehearse this? <laughs> We're going down the tubes. And again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's it's a series of tubes. <laughs> So now is when we uh, we check out the posters, Ben. Okay. How do you so, do that on a podcast, which is audio only? 
because what I do is uh, I link to uh, put the podcast up. I put it up at both at the website and obviously at the place where the podcast is hosted. But I always advertised if you want to see the poster images, go to the website and then we post all the poster images there. So people want to follow along, but we may be. That's what I should have told Scott when he asked about how the hell am I supposed to see these posts? (laughs) Go to the website. I say it on the I say it on the end of every single podcast. I say go to the website if you want to see the poster images. Oh, that's that's for the rubes, man. (laughs) I don't listen to that stuff. (laughs) Rubes. I cut out as soon as we're done. As soon as I'm done talking, I just just tune out. Yeah, I'm just going someplace else. All right. uh, So starting off with the thing posters, we've got the U.S. Advance, which is not as well known as the Struzan poster, but fairly well known. That's plain. Yeah. Uh, then next is the is the classic uh, Struzan poster, yeah, which wow. which everyone but John Carpenter loves. I'm not a huge fan. I of can kind of see why he would be underwhelmed by this. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not that he was underwhelmed. Is is his whole point in making this movie is he didn't want to make the mystery man slasher film. He didn't want it to be. And then when this poster was delivered, he was just like. This is exactly what I didn't want to be pushing forth to to promote the film. He's like this. This is the polar opposite of what I wanted. It's a great poster for another film. Uh, I, see, it's uh, not a it's not a terrible poster for this film. That's the thing. No, no. but in when you know mind, what it is, I yes. mean, it's, it's actually very subtle. Um, the, in its in its in its grandiosity, it is it's very subtle when you understand what the light charge is supposed to be representing. And the fact that he effectively turned it around in 24 hours is even a whole other story. So, oh, wow. yeah, Struzan, Struzan's uh, uh, documentary says that he was instructed to do this. So I don't know who told him to do it if that's well, not what John wanted. Yeah, that's that's I'm, very interesting. I'm sure the direction didn't come from John. So next is yeah, he the, said it was still wet when they came to get it from him, <laughs> and it was it was done with acrylics. So if acrylics are still wet, you know, he that. finished it like 15 minutes before yeah. they showed up. <laughs> Uh, or it was just a lot of layers. Uh, yeah. So next is the UK quad, which is the blood smoke image, as, it re- as it's referred to. Okay. Looks like some ears and vaginas or something. I don't know. I don't really like this one very much. Fair enough. There's the ultimate alien terror uh, yep. tagline. That's right. Yeah. So next is a variation on that for Australia. So this would have been the poster you had seen, Ben, if you had had gone to the theater. I would have been four he years not. old. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, okay, I would have so been probably four years old. Seventy-eight. Born. Se- my my uh, bio slightly long story. I'm born in seventy-eight. So it was eighty. <laughs> yeah. Ignore the bio uh, year. I told. No, I deleted that. I didn't tell you when I was born. Yeah, so, you yeah. you didn't send me a year. All right. Yeah. Oh man, right. you just outed yourself, dude. Nah, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> a Wikipedia feud thing from a few years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> What somebody put up there, you were born in like 52? <laughs> My website says 84 I was born. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, oh, that's quite quite young. Yeah, I'm a year before I'm I graduated old. from high school. Man. Oh, but no, yeah. I, I never yeah, saw that no, poster. I never saw it. No, you're not. You're younger yeah, than all no, of us. You are so. not. <laughs> Everything's relative. That's right. So next is uh, Das Ding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come it's, on, dude. Uh, German this poster. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> I mean, it might as well be his dingo. Uh, I mean, it's horrible. 
This was the West. Guys. This would be the West German poster, right? Not the East German. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they had this an East German, this is the Kurt Russell's taking a shit poster. <laughs> That's what it is. Dusting. Oh my! Yeah, Look dusting. what he dustinged in the toilet. <laughs> and <laughs> and that line at the top, uh, or. <laughs> Hassan has lost it. Ervordi Klopperschlang. So Klopperschlang, by the way, is uh, Escape from New York's German title. Oh, uh, okay. From the uh, man who you. took a shit in Escape from New York. <laughs> back to defecate on this horrible, bloody thing. 1147. It looks like he could be a bad plumber. Next, <laughs> next is a Japanese poster. What the fuck? Fuck is going on? This one. Well, it's 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 just uh, the same blood smoke shapes, but put into a crack in the ice. And well, this one, yeah, it's along little... with photos of everyone. Yeah, I like the photos. I like the little sort of like drippy things off of the X at the end of the. Which I'm not sure why the X is there, really. But um... <laughs> well, it's changing. It's obviously a thing as well. Yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, who knows. And next is the beautiful poster from Ghana. Yeah, that fucked oh. me up. <laughs> no bones about what's going on here. Okay, We're beheading people and fitting them onto the top of dogs. Right. I think that's Kylo Ren at the bottom. Yeah. No, it looks like, what's his name from uh, Die Hard? He died. Um, yeah. Alan uh, Alan Rickman. Why is Alan Rickman pointing a shotgun at this? <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if you know the story Terrible. behind. I don't know if you know the story behind the, the Ghanian. Uh, movie poster industry. Bad. It's amazing. Um, they uh, they don't have theaters, so they have these trucks that have screens mounted on the back that drive around to the villages to show to show movies. So they would have local artists <laughs> would get told what the movie was about, <laughs> and then they would paint these posters. <laughs> you know, and if they were lucky enough to know someone, an actor who was in it, they could sort of put their likeness in. <laughs> But please <laughs> to meet your acquaintance, McCreevy. <laughs> I love the head and the dog. It's fucking fantastic. I mean, it's just like this goes here. That makes the had the head on the dog much yeah, I can understand now why that is there. It might be a lion too, by the way. Okay. I'm not sure it's a dog. It looks more oh like cat. He's got like he's got he's like hoofed feet. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, like, the other guy's like, "Where? What do you get to put me on? <laughs> what body do I join?" Yeah, that's that's Kurt Russell's turn. That's that's yeah. what the the things looking at him is like. Ah, oh, I know where to put this head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And he sort of got the uh, he sort of got the Norris monster head. Oh, on, yeah. the, on the face, and but then with the bolts of white, like the movie poster has. <laughs> This is just a beautiful disaster. Absolutely. No, I apologize. There's nothing beautiful about this at all. (laughs) I'm very sorry to disagree. Good try, (laughs) Ghanans. So, next is Thailand. It's sort of a lot going on in this one. Sort of a a mashup of the two films and then uh, a bunch of other stuff happening. Bond poster, a Star Trek the motion picture poster. Well, except for the skinless dog and the head on the right side. Yeah, yeah. Jettisoning outward. No one had a lot of work put into it, really. I didn't make a great. Yeah, it's like a good book cover type thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It had effort. It had effort. Speaking of that, <laughs> a lot of these turn out to be like a, a really, really good classic in-house uh, 
uh, novel cover productions. Or it almost looks like if you if this movie had been made in the in the sixties or early seventies, mm. you'd be like, oh yeah, I get this is totally fitting in with it. Uh, and then we have Yugoslavia, very simple, minimalist, very. Yeah. Uh, you'd, you'd you'd really think that that helicopter plays a big part in this film. Yeah. The, yeah, the way, you know, and posters are. I I tried my hardest to find a Polish thing movie poster, and uh, I could not. So, I, I unfortunately because the Polish nobody stayed to see it in Poland because it it you know <laughs> it could very well be it could very well be. So first up uh, is a piece by uh, Adam Cockerton, uh, and I did not pull. Uh, all images from the thing book, although I certainly could have with there being 380 of them available to me. Wow, this is a great I, one. I actually, I actually pulled a few from the web first, and then I pulled a few select pieces from the book uh, that I felt uh, stood out. So this is a good one. This, yeah. yeah, Adam, Adam did two pieces. Actually, this was the, this was the first one he sent us. And then his, his other piece was a, a very nice shot of the ship in the ice also on a sort of like down angle. It's very cool. Okay. Um, next is Andrew Swainson. Okay. Oh, nice. Like Ugh. It looked gruesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a- Angel Trancone. Yeah, that's good. Oh, like wow. That. Yeah, that's cool. I got I to gotta go through this book again. <laughs> These are standing out. Uh, well, this one is uh, Angels wasn't in the book, but. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, this one was done by a guy named Ben Templesmith. Yeah, some schmuck. Like Ignore him. him. <laughs> I like you the know, idea of it, but the execution, I wish I could do better. So, uh, You know, it's funny. Oh, when you, going on here. Yeah, when you sent this to me, I didn't uh, I didn't get a chance to really look at it. When we were doing the production on the book, I actually took time to I blew it up and kind of like looked at all the different stuff that you had buried in this thing. And I was just like, "Wow, there's a, like, yeah, there's a ton a, of great shit in this thing. There's a lot going on in here." Oh, I I never doubted that you'd put work in. I'm just saying I didn't. Uh, there, there's a there, listen. There was a bunch of pieces that I mean, there was one piece that you know we did an art show in L.A. Creature features the April before the book came out. And so a bunch of the guys who had done pieces for the book had their originals up on the wall oh, nice. at the, at the gallery. And, and one of the guy, one of the pieces, you know, we had already had the book into the printer by then. And it wasn't until I saw the original at the gallery show that I noticed like three or four things in his piece that I'd never even seen looking at on my computer. Aww. And so I was like, I was blown away by the piece in person because I just missed and I don't know if it was from his scan or just the, the 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 contrast to the actual physical piece of art in front of me was so different and so obvious that like there were the things like jumped out at me much more than the digital version we had. And now when I look at it, I see them all, obviously, but it was just the difference between seeing them in person and uh, on my computer was was night and day. I really like this, Ben. Well, thank you. You're only saying it because I'm here. I really appreciate it anyway. <laughs> like, let's move on to the next one, please. Okay. Um, well, so this is, this, is one of my, this is one of my favorite pieces in the book by a guy named Ben Turner. And Oof. if you look at this, and the thing that absolutely blows Lydia. me away, if you look at the way the jackets are there, they are in the order of which the people die. Hmm. Really? And I didn't realize it until about two weeks after I had the piece in hand and I was looking at it and I realized because of the burning jacket, because uh-huh. that's, that's Benning's. Yeah. And then I realized that, you know, and then the second to the last one is Blair. 
and you and it's all their jackets that they wore in the film and, and it's in the order that they died. Huh. Ben put a lot of thought into this piece and for being such a subtle piece. Then the dog just innocently just <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. And he's like the smiliest, like friendly looking husky <laughs> ever. He's like, Hey, what's going on guys? I didn't do nothing. <laughs> and there's a fire alarm on the wall yeah. next to it. You know, just, just, you know, nice and simple. But yeah, that's, I, I love that piece. Uh, so next is a piece by a guy named Chris Sears. He did this kind of, this is the kind of stuff he did as a hobby. This isn't like what he even does for like a living. He, this is just like, he rolled this out because he was, he, you know, and we were, we were obviously floored by this, but you know, he, he was just like, yeah, I don't, I do this stuff for fun. The scene, the scene that the depicted below is from the original movie. You no, know, that, yeah. that hmm. sequence where they're in a standing in the circle in the ice. Yeah. And his color choices are great too. It's like that whole pink and blue look, except for mm-hmm. the you know, except for the circle. Just it's just really great. Uh, next is Chris Weston. Uh, he had actually released this as a poster before the book came out. So I had asked him if we could use the just the black and white line art for the book, and uh, he happily agreed. So that was good. I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is a piece by Dan Brereton. Uh, this was done for a screening of the movie a couple of years ago and uh, at a theater in Portland and uh, John Hill was there and was going to be, and they set up, uh, they ended up said they'd set up a book signing and they had a bunch of the local, uh, local artists at the time come down and set up at the theater after the show. And uh, so that, you know, they had a few people hang out and watch the movie and check out books. So it's one of my favorites Oh, of, of this, uh, of the group. Wow. Uh, next piece by David Kennedy. Another minimalist. Just design wise. I love this piece though. Jesus. The three of them standing around the block of ice for the eye. Oh, (laughs) so awesome. (laughs) And like the, it's very faint, but there is a small line of footprints leading down there from the edge. (laughs) Ah, this is great. And next is a piece by David Graham. This was another piece that this artist had done before the book had come out. I actually had asked him, I I, I fell in love with this piece immediately. And I just, I asked him if we could, uh, when we first released the book, we did a a small set of six prints of pieces that we, that we had gotten in after the book had gone to print. Uh, And so this was one of the, one of the small eight and a half by 11 prints that we actually included in a small print set uh, that came with some copies of the book. But yeah, like I just uh, there's something about that image I just really like. Hmm. Okay, I th- uh, yeah, it's an old time biology book. All right, I mean I, I'm not sure exactly what the the third one would be. I mean, clearly the bottom one is some kind of insect, and the middle one is you know, obviously a muscle thing. But it's like the top one, you know, I, I don't even know. Maybe it's a drawing of like some. It's got like ten. I mean, maybe 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 he made them all up. Fuck, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I just like the concept uh next is a piece by an artist named dolly one of our uk guys i like the design of that one with yeah. the information it's giving yeah yeah it's the antarctica is the guy or the eye mm-hmm. okay big giant puppy face yeah okay uh next is a piece by fiona mccall she did this and she did another really nice piece of like the group standing kind of backlit but the shadow on the snow in front of them, their legs made up 
then when their leg, all the shadows from their legs, when they joined up on the ground, made a shadow of the Blair monster. Oh, nice. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a nice little, nice piece you put together. But uh, I chose to put this one in. That's really strong. Yeah. Uh, next is uh, a print, a Mondo print by Gary Pullen. You notice, obviously, the dome is an eye. <laughs> oh, that is sneaky. Yeah. Gary, Gary's pretty good. <laughs> And these are intimidating. Oh. oh, next is this one's by Hassan Godwin. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was looking at that, this one before. Right, that was, and I really appreciate the 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 two different light sources you got with the really warm glow coming from the inside house stuff, and then the the cool ice glow from outside, like. I that's too technical for me. I like that shit. I appreciate that the glowing. Yeah, man, this is cool. This is cool. Thank you very much. That's what I that's, said. That's a bit of a surprise, Steve. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> yes. The goal is not to be liked by ladies. Yes, no, I, that's, I, uh, a, that's a success. Obviously, this is nowhere near anything I could draw. So, uh, I mean, it's. Pretty amazing. This next, uh, next is an image by uh, Jeremy Payet. Oh, yeah. So this is a piece by Jeremy Wheeler. I like that one too. Oh man, yeah, that was that was nice. He that was an early one we got in uh, when we when we first were getting pieces in. Uh, I was I was really happy with that one. I've known him my whole life. He's my friend. Nah, well, for 10 years we set him on fire dude <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> we threw a torch on him and we did it we did it pretty easily you know we, we didn't have a lot of qualms about doing it yeah uh, you, you you know listen if it if it only had one hand that was all fucked up you might have <laughs> yeah. thought you might have stopped for a second but he had both of his hands were all fucked yeah and then so he, he also like, you know stares at you sorry he also yeah. stares at you and is screeching so yeah, yeah that's making some weird yeah, all right. It's time uh, for that dude to go. Come yeah. on, burn him, burn him. So this this next this, this next piece is a piece by a guy who goes by the name of Jock. Oh wow! Yeah. The, he actually did two versions of this. this is the this is the variant. Uh, I actually own this is a, this is one I own, but this is uh, the other version he did. He did a blue, white, and black uh, version of this as well. For uh, I think these were done for Mondo. So this was hand done. It wasn't digital. You uh, correct. Correct. Nice. Yeah. I like it when he does that. So. He might have done some, if you look close, he might have done some digital. Um, oh, yeah. In the end, probably. Zip a tone there at the end on the on the chest and some areas there. But yeah, for the most part, this is all just, I'm sure it's all just pen and ink. Uh, next is uh, Kyle Lambert, who is uh, most, well, currently most well known for his uh, Stranger Things pieces for Netflix. Mm. He's the one oh, who did uh, the big poster images for them. But uh, this was a piece he put together for us for the book. Very nice. Uh, next is Mike Mall. Just a, a fun vector illustration. Don't take my silence for like me saying I hate these. <laughs> it's just like oh, you only make so many noises too. like, hmm, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm eating. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After a while, it starts to that's sound right. fake. You know, ah, this is fantastic. Does kind of have commentary on every single poster, really. So, 
All right. So the, that, that's my job. Uh, so next is uh, Orlando Aracena. Nice. And uh, and this is all Illustrator. This is all Vector. <sighs> I he worked that title right in the mouth, man. That's just... that's uh, that's one of his things. He does. He's uh, if you go and look at up his work, he has a thing. He has a he has a series called Word of Mouth, and uh, it, he does a thing where he replaces the mouths of characters with a word that is either the title. He did a series of DVD cases for Steelbooks for Fox uh, mm-hmm. of all the characters from the films done in a Dia de los Muertos uh, style. So their day of the dead kind of look, but they've yeah. got the, the title is like, like there's a, there's like a Chucky for child's play in it, but it says child's play where his lips are, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, next is Paul Mann. And uh, this is, you know, he, he works oils, so he hmm. does uh, does his paintings old school. I mean, the whole story is there. Yep. Yeah, he paints, <laughs> he paints like old, and he paints in that old, all he does like modern films done in that old, like, you know, like Tony Stella does in that old, like, almost like 60s, 70s painted style that, you know, is so beautiful that just nobody does anymore. Yep. Fucking Blair with the noose. that's a a great richard dysart though yeah it's but yeah richard that's perfect that's that's just absolutely him and and windows both are actually real are really good but i love that i love the face i love the face on bennings he's like what (laughs) (laughs) Uh, next is a piece by rafa alvarez which is a little similar to uh to the piece i was explaining earlier but it's done in a, a circular layout instead. Uh, that's cool. Yeah. With the one guy to his to his back with the idea. I know I'm not one of these things, and I'm pretty sure not all of you are these things either. Because otherwise you'd just jump me. Wrong. Next is a another one of my favorites by Scott Wolston. That's pretty. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a lot of work. Yeah, he uh, when he finally when he finally decided to print this uh, onto posters, he actually sent me one of these. So that's another one. Yeah, I, that's amazing. another one I own. Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, so next is a guy named Stephen Romano. He actually <laughs> he put out a book a few years ago uh, called Shock Festival. I think that's the name of it. Where basically he created a book filled with newspaper ads from like grindhouse movies and like old movie posters like this with this kind of style, but they were all for movies that don't exist. Like he literally made up all the movies as well. (laughs) And it's, it's brilliant. It's so much fun to look through because it's all that old grindhouse, like 42nd street movie poster style. But it's just all these things that, that you'd look at it, you'd think, oh yeah, that 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 no, that came out. I remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. And he made he made all of them up. It's just so great. This is wow. actually a this is actually a spoof of the um, Prince of Darkness uh, ah, film poster. That's why it's, it looks familiar. Exactly. And then the next one he did as a uh, a little bit different, more of a classic 60s, 70s style. And if the movie was actually called Who Goes There? <laughs> yeah, obviously. Nice. Thriller where the killer could be you. All right. Well done. <laughs> well done. Well done. And Next it rhymes. Is, yeah, that's right. That's right. Steven Sampson, the dark, he goes by the name Dark Inker. <laughs> I don't like this one. Really? Not really. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sure he's devastated. <laughs> <laughs> or will be when he hears He's it. smashing his computer right now. 
his uh, his piece is actually the cover for our Firefly book that's coming out in November. He did. Well, that's good. Yeah, hopefully I'll like that one. Yeah, maybe if you like Firefly. Uh, next is a piece by Steve Thomas, which I, I this is just one of my favorite pieces in the book. Again, it's just I think this is brilliant. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Uh, Cause it's just, yeah. you know, it's just like, if it's an old, like an old map, yeah. uh, the yeah, cover to an, you know, those old maps that they used to come out and it's just, he's got, he's got everything there. It's, mm. it's just so much fun. Yeah. You know, from the, from the little things coming up from the 1982, the little tendrils, you know, the little spiky yeah. tendril things. He's got the, on the upper part of it, he's got the, the silhouette of the town ta- of the, of the outpost, yeah, of the outpost. you know, there's just, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, here, you got to you know. study it to, to see all the, and then the bloody paw print on the corner. Yep. You know, it's just, it's just great. <laughs> you know, does not circulate outside of department office, you know, just the, the stamps on it and stuff. Just, it's just a lot of fun. I like the little chess piece in the middle of the A in Antarctica. Huh. All right, fine. <laughs> I begrudgingly like you. <laughs> <laughs> Next is a piece by Studio KXX or uh, Christoph Domoradsky, if you prefer. That's cool. Yeah, he he eventually printed uh, printed some of these off and sold them as prints as well. Hmm. He's done uh, he's done some really really. He, we've had some of his work on the on the show before for uh, for Blade Runner and for um, Jaws. His Blade Runner pieces are exceptional. Uh, next piece by Tom Fournier. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> My friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think about whenever I see (laughs) (laughs) this is a good one. I like this one. I've known him for 10 years. Mm -hmm. He was my friend. Yeah, not anymore, dude. (laughs) Yeah. He's keeping us us warm right now. That's what (laughs) he's doing. Yeah. That's that's his contributions to the group. Yeah. Uh, And the next is uh, Tomas Opasinski. Oof. Wow. That's design. Fun little homage. Speaking of homages, I forgot to mention uh, while we were talking about the thing that uh, season one, episode eight of the X-Files is a direct homage to the movie, The Thing, Ice. Yep. Um, you bet it is. According to Chris Carter, directly. Ooh. So, You bet it's pretty much copy of the plot. <laughs> um, and the next one, I think, no, not quite the last one, but this is Tyler Stout, who's, you know, his line work is just crazy town yeah look at that kind of amazing his uh the way he breaks down the way he breaks down like the faces and stuff for shade and shadow and work like that is just he if you look you look up his stuff online he's done he's done a lot of pieces for alamo draft house and uh this is this is one of the more this is one of the simpler ones he's got some that are just there's just so many like there's like one for he did for Pulp Fiction. It's just like there's so many heads in it. It's just you're like, uh, how long did it take him to do that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, we have a piece from Van Orton Design. Well, it's different. <laughs> it's almost it's like very different, like Day of the Deadish or something you'd see mm. on a because of the bright colors. Yeah, it's it's interesting. There are any couple of guys. There are, uh, there are a couple of uh, a couple of guys that run Van Orton Design, and I, I reach out to him for every single art book. And uh, and the thing is the only one that they've responded to. They always respond. They always answer. Thanks very much for the invitation. We're not interested, but you know, 
keep asking. So I do. Okay. Never know when you'll hit another one for them. So, so real, real quick, Ben, something we do at the end mm-hmm. as we do a little piece called the martini, which is where we talk about uh, where your, your main film, which is the thing and, uh, and where that fits into that director's sort of uh, collection of films, as far as, you know, the, the top films of his you like. So uh, generally I do a quick run through based on Rotten Tomatoes rankings. Uh, so I've got all, all of his main films are here. Uh, I'll give you the top five on Rotten Tomatoes, which is Assault on Precinct 13 at 98, Halloween at 96, They Live at 86, Starman at 85, Escape from New York at 86, and then the bottom five are Ghost of Mars at 22. Absolutely. Memoirs of an Invisible Man at 24, Village of the Damned at 29, The Ward at 33, and Vampires at 40. However, uh, I will say that one of my all-time favorite films of John's uh, is, is, a, is listed at 59, and I think it's hideously underrated, and that's In the Mouth of Madness. Um, that, is, that, is, that is in my top five, maybe top three of his films that, that I like, and uh, the, for it to be ranked that low is just ridiculous. But Never saw it. Um, so the thing, the thing is my favorite Carpenter film, uh, hands down. Uh, I, I do. Uh, I just, I, you know, as much a fan as I am, I'm a, I'm a fan of so much of his work that it's hard for me really to rank them because I mean, how do you, I can't compare the thing to Starman. I can't compare it to big trouble in little China. Uh, you know, I can't compare it to, you know, even they live. I mean, they lives not, I mean, yeah, it's got aliens in it, but it's not really a horror film. I mean, it's got horrors of a different kind and a different level, but, it's not really like a horror movie that you would expect from, you know, that you're going to compare it to. Now there's assault on precinct 13. I do find it interesting that three of his films, considering he's not, you know, his films have all come out since essentially since 76 and already three of his films have been remade. So I don't know that, you know, if that tells you what's the third well, one, something's happening with the thing. What's that? I think what's the third one assault on precinct 13, Halloween and the fog ah, have all been okay. remade. Mm-hmm. And the thing, sort of. And well, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, you could technically include that one, but I, I it's, it's done. It's set up as a prequel, so I don't. I don't. Okay, fair. Look at it really as a remake. Yeah, but there's as, some new movement now too, right? Yes. Uh, apparently, oh. he's working with Blumhouse. John is, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna put out a new a new version, which will uh, you know it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. Hmm. Um, you know, he I, has the right to do it. I don't care. <laughs> I, well, that's well, you know, listen, the thing with John is and, and yeah, you know, you've met him. You know, he doesn't own, you know, he doesn't own any of the rights to any of the stuff he made. He doesn't, you know, he didn't, you know, write and create this stuff, you know, other than, you know, Halloween he did technically. But, you know, he, again, he doesn't own it. You know, the compass does. So it's, you know, you know, people are always like, oh, John, they're going to remake this. What do you think about that? And he's like, I don't. I got nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, when when like when, I, the, yeah. when they were remaking the fog, he was, you know, he was like, what, what, what do you want? What do you want me to say? I, I they're not paying me any money. That's I, like I, that, I, uh, I don't. I don't even consider it. I don't think about it. It's like that Ford Fairlane line, where uh, Carrie Wurr leans in and says, "What do you think? Uh, you know, did he did someone kill him or was it suicide?" And he said, "I'll tell you when someone pays me to give a shit and stuff." That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. And, and that's, yeah. You, know, you, you can't, kinda, uh, kinda, you can't fault that attitude, you know, especially in this he's, industry. He's been doing it long enough that, you know, and you know, he knows where the, where the lines are drawn. That's fair. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I mean, if I had created some landmark cinematic films like this and someone going to come along and remake them, I, 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 what, what, you know, and, I, yeah. and they're not, and they're not coming to me and saying, Hey, we want you aboard to, you know, rewrite it or help, you know, develop the, the, first of all, why am I going to remake my own film? If I'm not a Japanese director, uh, remaking it with an American cast for the American audience, you know, cause that does happen more often than not. But his work is unimpeachable. So I mean, you right, know, exactly. he doesn't have to. Exactly. He doesn't have to defend himself. Even even his bad films have plenty of of things that you can still pull from them and enjoy about them. You know, it's like I you know I, I I had never seen Village of the Damned, and when I finally watched it, it's not a great movie, but you know what? I still enjoyed watching it. You know, yeah. it's, it was fun to watch. If nothing else, it was fun to see Christopher Reeve walking around. I mean, this is gonna piss Latham off, but I even like Ghosts of Mars. Me too. Yeah, I like watching that over and over again. I like Ice Cube. I like Natasha Henstridge. That movie what's not, what's not to like? I'll tell you what's an overrated movie of his is Big Trouble in Little China. Nope. That movie is just. Nope. That movie could not be rated high enough. Oh, boy. It's, it's on here. It's on here. It's on here at a 78. And I, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, that movie is just wow. not very fun. Still, not very. It, it's nothing but fun. What are you talking it about? It just tries way too hard. Way too hard. Lands, ev- like lands everything. I've seen Oops. 11 of his films. His best film is Halloween or Starman. Interesting. What's that? I, I do really like Starman. I'd have to rank uh, the thing as my favorite, as one of his best. I mean, it's. I think it's a flawless movie. I really uh-huh. do. Uh, so yeah, that would that would be that rank is my favorite. But I do like Starman. I do. I you know Carpenter is kind of strange because you're you're shocked about some of the movies he did make. You know, like you've seen some of the movies. He's can't he, okay. Nobody freak out when I say this, but he's kind of <laughs> like he's kind of like Kubrick in that sense that you don't know what he's going to make next. He doesn't have like he has a he kind of has a, a horror niche, but he'll step out of the horror genre. Right. Uh, you know, very frequently. I was surprised years and years ago when I discovered that John Carpenter made Big Trouble in Little China. You know, it's a comedy no. kung fu movie that, you know, that's, right. I mean, when you when you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. You know, that, that yeah. I can see it. But you, you, that movie doesn't scream Carpenter while you're watching it. That's right. True. So, have you seen, have you seen Elvis? No, I have not. The Kurt Russell Elvis movie that no. he did? I haven't. How, or, how how long ago did that come out? Seventy nine. Oh, excuse yes. me. <laughs> yep. All right, then it. I'll get on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, Ben. <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Thank you thanks, very much. Thanks for, having me. thanks for hanging out with us. No, thank you, man. It was fun. It was I a week of of Dune and the thing. So that was a that was, that was a, a, that a was welcome a distraction of... from a lot yes. of other stuff that's been going on. So thank you very much. You guys actually seem to like the movies. So. <laughs> uh, you know, it, good it, taste. It doesn't happen every Somewhat. time, and it you know it's just as fun for us when we watch something that we've never seen. That's you know maybe we don't like as much, but even still, I mean, this was in this was this was a no brainer for us. I mean, the, the the thing is, you know, as you well know, obviously for me, the thing is. Hey Ben, have you seen Six String Samurai? <laughs>
No, but I do want to watch it because it looks beautiful if it's the animated one. No. Don't. No. I think you're, you're thinking of Afro Samurai. <laughs> Which is awesome. Wait, is it a Disney one? It's not a Disney one. No, no. Because it was another... Okay. It's a, it's no, a, then I've it's heard a, of it, but not... It's a very, very strange indie film. If strange, I, I probably shit, have seen it. It doesn't require your viewing. Let's just say, it. let's keep it that way. If you wanted yeah. to see it, it's there for you. But it, you don't have to see it. In other words, right. <laughs> that's all I'll say about it. The, the two guys, the two guys on the bottom row, they didn't like it so much. I didn't. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did not hate it. Hey, I'm on the top on in the my bottom. in my iteration. Steve's on top for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thank you, man. Oh, thank, 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 thank you, man. Thank you, man. I, I, I appreciate your uh, your sacrifice of your time. I, I yeah. I, I don't. I don't take. Oh, that, no worries. I don't take that lightly. So, but I just we haven't we haven't eaten yet. So I'm gonna go. Oh food my god! Jeez. Oh, okay. oh yeah, you gotta go eat. We're crying out loud, please. Well, this thing go. started at seven. It's like that's fine. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I I, I probably should have <laughs> warned. I probably should have warned you that we tend to run long sometimes. Please. Yeah, we uh, run oh, no over two meals. No big deal. Please give my best ash, will you? Please. We'll do. All right. We'll see you, Ben. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. So that was awesome. You put mine in in a mix with all those. Thanks a lot, Steve. You're very welcome. (laughs) Thanks. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is so welcome. It was so sophomoric compared to some of those other ones. And there was some really strong, strong pieces in there. There is some strong pieces in there, but that's you know, it was sophomoric. That's not the correct right. And I think I I think I only pulled maybe. 12, 12 pieces from the art book as opposed to pieces that I found online that, you know, that were done before our book came out. Yeah. So, no, it well. I, I, I tried to steer away other than Ben Turner's. I tried to steer away from pieces that weren't posters other than yours and Ben's obviously, which I knew I was going to put in, but um, I'd love to yeah. redo that one. I like it. It's, it's a good poster. I, mm-hmm. I don't regret it, but I'd love to, I'd love to upscale that, you know, just for the, well, you know, it. listen, it's, it's, you know, you're not different from any other artist who yeah. was a piece that he did a few years ago and, you know, has changed the way he finishes things or looks at things. And, you know, listen, you need that, that, that all that is is a sign is that you're constantly growing and changing. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a good thing. So big thanks to Ben Templesmith for, for coming on and giving us, uh, giving us a few hours of his time. Thanks to Fesslian Studios for our intro music. Get your own awesome music at fesslianstudios.com. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening, as always, and in the words of our friend and fellow cholrophobiac, Truman Burbank.
Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.